0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au.
1: You know, I think it's interesting how every one of us notices different things. For instance, Leo, who's responsible for all the presentation at our events, and I suspect is probably out in the cafe, so he's not listening to this. Oh, there you are right there in front of me which just goes to underline the point I'm about to make, which is how we all notice different things. Obviously, I don't notice a lot of things. (laughs) For instance, up in my office, there's a sofa and not one to sleep on, just one to sit on. And there are cushions on it. And every time without fail that Leo leaves my office, he will go to the said cushions and rearrange them. He will do that thing that interior designers do. They hit the middle of the cushion. I have no idea why. Uh, I don't know what happens to cushions after. Do they just have a life of their own and pop back out? I don't know. But Leo does that and he says to me every single time, is that okay? And I have to remind Leo that I don't even notice that they're there. If you were to ask me what colour are they, he will tell you the specific Pantone uh, tint that they are from. I go, I think some of them are green. I don't know what the other colours are. I really don't. Ask me how many there are. I haven't got a clue. I just don't notice stuff like that. It's funny though, isn't it? how we all are wired differently, how there are things that you see that others don't see. And there's things they see that you would never pick up on. Some of you here are brilliant at picking up on the cues of how somebody else is feeling. Instead of just walking past them, you stop for that second to say, how are you doing? Because you notice stuff like that. Others of us can be so task oriented We're walking past the needy and maybe not even noticing what's going on. And so when it comes to the cross and the Saviour on it, obviously the Saviour on the cross ought to be our focus. It ought to be that He is the centrepiece of all that we are looking at. But just in the last couple of weeks, I began looking around the cross to see who was there on that day. And then I began to realise how the people that were there represent all of us. They represent all of humanity. Why? Because there's a place at the cross for you. There's a space at the feet of Jesus where you fit. No one's left out. Well, let me show you. The first person I guess that others would notice at the cross is Mary the mother of Jesus. It says in John 19, verse 25, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus His mother and His mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. But no one would be surprised that Mary is there. This is the very same Mary that the angel spoke to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. It says now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favoured one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among all women. When she saw him, she was troubled at the saying and considered what manner of greeting it was. Then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus, for he'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there'll be no end. So it should be no great surprise, really, that at the cross on that day, there is this person who's highly favored. She's kind of been right from the start one of the in group. She's born into a righteous kind of family. And so it should be no surprise, but you know, I've been uh, amazed over the years how many Australians, particularly that I've spoken to, who when you speak to them about their need for salvation, about their need for Christ, they say this to me they say, but I'm not a bad person. Or the counterpart to that, but I'm a good person. As though somehow or other being good is good enough. As though somehow or other merely not having done some heinous crime absolves you of the need to be saved. That you're okay because look at your upbringing, look at how your life's gone. Mary could have justifiably felt that about herself, but she saw the need to be at the cross. You know, many, many years ago, I broke this arm. Well, I've broken it a couple of times, but I remember the last time I broke it, they called it a green stick break. It means that it never broke across the bone, but it broke along the bone. But you know, being only slightly broken had exactly the same effect as being greatly broken being slightly lost has the same impact as being greatly lost. And if you're one of those people today who say, but I'm not a bad person, can I say to you, my arm was only slightly broken, but I still couldn't use it. I still got pain. I still had to wait for that thing to heal, to come back to strength yet again in my life. And I would say the same that if you're one of those people who goes, but I'm not bad, I'd say to you, no. Mary's saying to you, you need to be here. You need to come to the foot of the cross. The Saviour didn't die just for the intensely wicked. He died for everybody, even if you're only slightly lost and slightly broken. As a contrast, it tells us there in John 19, 25, that... Uh, Not only is Mary the righteous there and and her sister, but then just one person removed is this lady that features quite a deal in the Scripture. Her name is Mary Magdalene and her past was, well, I think the euphemism is colourful. Uh, Let's just say she was about as far from God and His ways as, as you could hope to find it had been everything but pure and everything but godly until she had met christ but you know i've met other people in this great nation who've said to me jeff i'd love to know christ but i've had people literally say this to me you have no idea what i've done i remember a man who was involved with organized crime And he came to talk to me after a service. Somehow or other, he'd found his way in there. And he came to me after service. And when I talked to him about coming to Jesus, he shook his head and he said, you have no idea what I've done. But Mary Magdalene's at the foot of the cross because God wants to say to you, there's nobody who's too bad. There isn't anybody who can say, well, you know what? the highly favoured, of course they should be there. They can look up at Him. But after all I've done, what space could there be for me? But that's why Jesus hung on a cross. Jesus never hung on a cross because we already all had it together. He hung on a cross because none of us have got it together enough. Whether you are a Mary or a Mary Magdalene, whether you're somebody who's lived a good life or whether you're someone who's lived the worst life, it doesn't matter. So the people that used to be great sinners were also at the cross. But the Bible tells us that not only is there Mary the righteous and is there Mary Magdalene the formerly, wow, well, just troubled and broken and messed up. But then there's John. John, the one who, I love this about John, he describes himself throughout the New Testament as the disciple whom Jesus loved, which I'm not ever sure whether he kind of means, you know, more than everyone else. Like I remember asking my mum, mum, out of your seven kids, who's your favourite? And you know that you're all hoping that she'll say, it's you. And she never, ever did, never. My mum would say, all of my children are my favorites. And I go, "Yeah, but mum, which is your most favorite?" And usually I said that as I had my hands in the sink doing the dishes or some you know something good that might, you know, help me along the way in this discussion. The disciple whom Jesus loved. I love John because he's the faithful follower. He's not a Peter. Peter is like impulsive and brash and says what he thinks and he's the guy who's loved to be out the front. He's the guy out of the boat to walk on the water to Jesus. He's the guy who stands up on the day of Pentecost and preaches who's bold enough to go to a Gentile's home as a believing Jew where he should not have gone and declare the gospel to them. That's Peter. And then there's John, the faithful follower. Not flashy, he doesn't push himself forward. John 19, verse 26 says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. And you get a feel about what this God, this is a people person. This is somebody, they're not about how much applause they get. They care about the ones that are round about them. And here is this very faithful one, a guy who's more often in the background, the one who doesn't even say his own name. He describes himself as the one whom Jesus loved. And I think there's a lot of people in our world who when you begin to talk to them about the plans God has for their life, Their first thought is, but who am I? I'm nobody special. I mean, raise your hand if that's the way you feel because I'll put my hand up. I feel like that all the time. Who am I? And yet here's the reality that God doesn't always pick the obvious. He doesn't always choose the smartest, the, the cleverest, the most handsome or whatever. Sometimes He picks people like that are the shyest. Sometimes he picks those who, who are absolutely convinced that they don't really, they might make it into the fringes, but that's about as far as it will ever get for them. And yet this guy is the kind of person you want to be your friend, don't you? Not flashy, but he's faithful. I think the most underrated virtue in a human life is faithfulness. People that are dependable, they're just there. And that's this guy, John, he's at the cross. Where are the other disciples? Well, who knows? Peter has run off in shame. The guy who's so bold and so forceful in his, his declarations of his loyalty and love, he's disappeared. And here's this one guy, Mary the righteous. Mary Magdalene, the used to be troubled. And then there's John the faithful. But let me go just a little bit wider because it's not just people that have walked with Jesus. If you look a little bit further over, there's a Roman centurion. And the Roman centurion is, he's a complete outsider. He hasn't grown up with faith, far from it. He's schooled in the ways of the world, not of church. He hasn't got a clue when you should stand up, sit down, do you raise your hands? Why do some do, some don't? He wouldn't know the words to any of the songs. He wouldn't know how to pray a prayer. If you'd ask Him to pray, he would stand there and and mumble and stumble. He hasn't got a clue. Everybody else would look at Him and say, what on earth is He doing here? But listen to Him. Mark 15, verse 37. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed His last and the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Not bottom to top like a human would tear it, but from top to bottom because God was saying, there's a way in for all of you. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he said, this man truly was the Son of God. The outsider, he's at the cross. Some of the people that have grown up in church We'll be reaching to people that have never known. I have shared Christ with people from China who when I said the name of Jesus to them through two interpreters, by the way, it was a very slow conversation. But I had to start so far back because they hadn't grown up with any, they did not know any history of Jesus. And I had to start by telling them really about us and about our brokenness. They were familiar with that. Our sinfulness, they knew about that. And then I began to talk about what on earth the answer to that could be and began to tell them about someone they'd never heard of called Jesus. That's like this Roman centurion. He's an outsider. I know so many people who feel like they're outsiders to God. You invite them to church and they go, no, no, no. No, that's not my scene. That's not for me. No, 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 no. Nah. I've had people say to me, if I walked in, the roof would cave in. And I would say to them, do you know what? We've had it particularly strengthened just for you. We knew you were coming. We've put extra strength into the roof. It won't fall down if you turn up. And then those people come and they begin to discover that something of the presence of God in the place, in the hearts of God's people, touches them. And all of a sudden they began to realise, I do fit. I'm not as big an outsider as I thought I was. And I think about this man who's one of the overlords, one of the occupying forces, one of the ones who really, he he stood there and told them when to put the nails in. Start now. This guy's in charge of the entire thing. And somehow or other in the middle of all that, God breaks through and reveals Himself to this guy, the outsider. Oh, I'm believing for that every week. I'm believing not just that Christians will come back and reconnect. I'm believing that people that have always thought I'll never be a part of that, it wouldn't work for me, will get a revelation that He's right for them. The last one, the last group. Well, you don't have to look too far from the cross because it's someone right beside Jesus. Luke 23 says, Then one of the criminals who were hanged, and that means hanged on the cross, they crucified, blasphemed him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other one answering rebuked him, saying, Don't you even fear God seeing you're under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, think about this. One of the last things Jesus says, assuredly I say to you today, you're going to be with me in paradise. I meet lots of people who say it's too late. I could have done it when I was young. I could have come to Christ, you know, when I, my mind was more malleable and I hadn't done so much and I hadn't become so entrenched in my ways. How could I change now? One of my greatest joys is seeing older people come to Christ. I've led many of them to Jesus in their homes. When sickness had come to them, you kneel beside the chair, they're sitting in or by the bed that they're in. I've also been with those who I never got to know how they had or whether they had said yes to Christ. But this much I know is that this man tells me it's never too late and you're never too bad. Everybody else looked at this man hanging there for a crime he acknowledges he committed. And they always would have said, it's too late for that guy. But it's never too late and you're never too bad to be at the cross. So I don't know which one you'd think you are in this group of five that are here around the cross of Christ. Maybe you're one of those people who goes, you know, I'm not bad really. I'm, I'm act- No, I'm, I'm living a pretty good life. But there's space at the cross for you. Maybe you're a Mary Magdalene and you're ashamed of what you've done, but you've found Christ. And I want you to know that you are just the same in His eyes as the one who'd never done any of it. Or maybe you might be John, the faithful one, the people that don't want to make a big show of it. They They don't make a big show of becoming a Christian. They just faithfully follow. Maybe you're an outsider today and you look at your background and where you've come from and just go, well, how could I ever be there? Think about it, this man never just witnessed it. Something witnessed to him. Truly, this is the Son of God. Or maybe you're the guy on the cross and you go, you know, is it too late for me, Jeff? Is it am I too bad? Is this the final thing that's the door shut? I can't get through. And I would say to you that the Savior on the cross spoke to every single one of these people. And he says to every single one of them, thank you for being at the foot of the cross. I wonder when we get to heaven, I want to find the thief. I want to find Jesus. That'll be the first couple of million years. Somewhere in one of the, is is there an intermission in heaven? I don't know. But somewhere on the way, I want to go to the thief. And I want to ask him, what was it like for you? I want to find the centurion. I want to say to the centurion, why did you say that? He'll say, I don't know. I'm not sure. Somehow or other, I just knew. Over and over again, over all these years, again and again, I've seen people say to me, I just knew. I just knew. I just knew. Maybe today that's you. I want to pray for you on this great Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, where we celebrate the cross and the fact that it was followed by an empty tomb. I want to pray for you. If you say, Jeff, I want to start to follow Jesus. People say to me all the time, oh, you know, what do you got to know? As though somehow or other becoming a Christian is a process of education. But you know, if you are born, no one educated you in birth. Oh, no, that's obvious. No, the mother might go to classes and the father might go to classes, but babies don't. They just get born. Huh? You know what it's like when you get born again? You just need to trust the Heavenly Father. So I want to pray with you. If you want to say yes to Jesus, I know many of you will. You want to say yes to Jesus. And some of you right now, there's this little twinge in your mind going, yeah, but what if? And I'd say, look past that and trust the Savior. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person that's a part of this service, either now or even in the days to come when they listen to it and watch it and are a part of it again. Oh God, I'm so grateful that salvation is what you did, not what we do. I'm so grateful, Lord, that it started in your heart before it ever reached ours. But God, You want us to be a part of this. You're not asking for the forced or the obliged. You're asking for the willing. You said, whoever wants to can come to me. Oh God, I pray for people right across the planet on this day when many will go to church. I pray they'll discover the Saviour who's the head of the church. Pray, God, that people right now that are listening to me and their hearts are saying, yes, today's my day. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to start following Him. I won't be perfect. None of them were. But I'm going to begin. Help them, Lord, with their yes in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're saying yes to Christ, we would love to help you in your journey with, with God. That's why we started this thing years ago, about three or four, I can't remember, called Yes Text. Because I, we had no idea there was a pandemic coming, but we started it going, we want to make sure that wherever you are, anytime, day or night, you can be discipled, you can be helped, in other words. So we started this thing called Yes Text and it fits on one screen of your smartphone And every day for 30 days, we send you a Bible verse, different every day. We send you a prayer, different every day. It's just our way of helping you get started. You can opt out whenever you like. To this day, I don't know anyone's details. We don't keep them. We don't harvest them. We're not doing anything. We never write and ask you for anything. Particularly, we don't write and ask you for money. We want to be a part of helping you. So if you give your yesterday to that number on the screen, 488 826 392. Or if you want to get it via email at yes.metrochurch.org.au. Of course, if you're with us on the metrochurch.online platform, the Yes button's there. Whichever way. Maybe you're here in the building. Go to the Connect Hub, we call it. Just go there and say, would you help me get started? That's all you've got to say. Help me get started. They'll help you. I know it'll be the beginning of the greatest journey of your life. He's certainly faithful. He's certainly done amazing things. Doesn't mean you won't have troubles or challenges. It does mean that He'll be with you in them all the way through, in Jesus' Name. Father, help those people that are saying yes right now, wherever they are. People are sending in their yes. Thank You, Lord, for them. Lord, I don't know who they are, but You do. I don't know what they need, but You do. Help them today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to share communion together today as our final part of this service. And again, thank you so much for being a part of it. Take this message. Don't ever look at someone around about you and go, well, they uh, they don't look like someone who'd be interested in Jesus because the Roman centurion didn't look like he was. The thief on the cross definitely didn't look like he was. Mary Magdalene was no one's first choice. All around about you, there are people that are looking for God. Let's be a part of helping them find Him. Amen. So we're going to share community together. Team, if you'd come begin to serve everyone. Here in this church, our practice is that the team will serve you. Everyone takes a uh, one of these cups that's got a bit of bread in it and another one that's got the juice in it. Then we'll hold on to it until everyone's been served. Then we'll stand and we'll eat and drink together as a family of God that we are. The team by the way we do this with the team in case you look down and go why don't they get it? Well it's because we do it because of their uh, what they're doing up here, their roles we do that before the service every single time with the team so thank you that you're welcome to join with us you might be new here today go oh you know do I have to? No of course you don't but you can if you'd like to, we'd love you to join with us and uh, the team are going to lead us in singing another song just giving you a moment just to pause and to give your personal thanks to God. Come on, some of you here that are going through trials right now. I know there are people and you've got health challenges that you've kind of, God, oh, I'm not even sure I can see where the end of it is yet. Why don't you take this moment right now as you hold the cup and the bread, or you will. Say, Jesus, I trust you're going to be with me. You're going to walk with me to the end of this thing. It's going You're going to help me. Lord. Come on. Let's pray. Thank you.
0: The freedom he has won, even death is dead and done. His life has overcome. House oh, be, say the word above all names, over every broken place. He is risen from the grave. future is heaven. I praise God for what he's done. See, now the throne of majesty, the Father's will complete. He reigns in victory. See you. is heaven. I praise God for what He's, done. what He's done. What He's done. What He's done. Come on, let's stand together. Come on, let's stand and sing it. All the glory and the honor to, to the, the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is. Done. I praise God for what He's done I praise God for what
1: He's done The Bible says that on the night Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat all of this in remembrance of me. In the same manner He took the cup, said, this is my blood, which is shed for many. We celebrate this today as believers, maybe even as a new believer, you're taking it today for the first time in your life. Thank you for those online, you're taking it at home or wherever you are. But can I say to you that Jesus never died on the cross just for those that will be in church today. The Bible says He died. His death was for the entire world. No one left out. No country, no language, no tribe, no culture, no background, no time. Every single person can come. Nobody's too far away. No one's too close. No one's too good. No one's too bad. It's for everybody that He's done. I'm going to ask the team to sing it again while we eat and drink.